Matthew chapter 13, verse 27, it says, The owner servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? Verse 28, an enemy did this, he replied. Now, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. And then John chapter 11, verse 44, we talked about this last week. It says, the dead man, somebody say dead man. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I would like to show you how all of our foundational texts, how they're married. How each and every one of our foundational texts, they're married and it is going to serve as waiters for our preaching presentation on tonight. First in the gospel of Matthew chapter 13, they go to the master and they're like, Lord, um, didn't, uh, didn't you plant good seeds in this field? Then where, where did all of these weeds come from? Can we modernize the text? Nobody said nothing. I'm going to do it anyway. Where did all these weeds come from? Where did all these counterfeits come from? Where did all of these distractions come from? Where did all of these knockoffs come from? Y'all not talking to me. Where did all of these, this betrayal come from? Where did all these fake friends come from? Where did all of these fake people come from? We gonna get real in here on tonight. Where did all this fakery come from? Can I get somebody to say fakery? Where did all of this fake stuff come from? Because God, I, I thought that you sold good seeds and I thought that you sent good things then why am I surrounded by all of these fake things? <laughs> I thought you sent good things because Proverbs just told us that as iron sharpens iron, a, a, a friend is one that also sharpens your countenance. Now, this is for those who feel as though I'm good by myself. A dull piece of iron is limited in its ability to be effective. Okay, that's for everybody who's like, I don't need nobody. I'm good. I'm Gucci. I'm cool. I'm straight. I ride solo. You can miss me with that. Miss me. I'm going to do me. Bag, 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 bag. What? I'm going to just do me. Yeah. This is for all those people. Listen, a piece of dull iron on its own is limited in its effectiveness. But when iron comes together with iron, I feel myself getting excited. When iron constantly connects continuously with iron continuously when we are connecting in devotion together when we are connecting in the word together when we are connecting with prayer together I need somebody I can call and pray for me not just gossip with me when we are constantly connecting in devotion and connecting in recreation and connecting in accountability that sharpens me listen because one of the signs of a kingdom biblical friend is they sharpen you. Yeah, I'm just an intro and I feel the sweat coming, so I'm gonna sweat out my clothes on tonight. One of the signs of a biblical friend is they sharpen you. 
Sharpen your focus. Sharpen your commitment. Sharpen your vision. Now it makes sense why in the Gospel of John, John chapter 11, Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. We talked about this last week. Y'all remember? Lazarus, come forth. And then he says, y'all lose him. Don't miss it, please. Don't miss it. This is a person who is called, but they are limited in their ability to respond to the call unless they are surrounded by people who can take stuff off them. Did y'all hear me? Yes, I called him. I called you to write that book. I'm talking to somebody. I called you to do that podcast. Yep. I called you to do that ministry, but you are limited on your own. And how well you can respond to my call if you don't have people around you who know my voice, know my sound, and are called and anointed. I need some anointed friends. You hear me? How about I have a whole squad where we all breaking stuff off each other? I need some anointed friends because the anointing breaks yokes. They breaking stuff off me and I'm breaking stuff off them and they breaking stuff off my bloodline and I'm breaking stuff off their bloodline. We need to talk about this, y'all. That's the type of friends I need. I need people. Matter of fact, you know what? I, I'm, I'm, we could go ahead and end service. Where my closing music at? <laughs> we could be done. I can go ahead and have y'all stand up. I can say the benedictory prayer, and you guys can go ahead and go home, get you some food, and ride around and talk about how good church is because I already came out the gate telling you the formula. <laughs> For real. <laughs> I already told you the formula. And the blueprint on how you sharpen discernment in the area of who you label as a friend. Biblical friends take grave clothes off of you. Okay? Y'all ready? Biblical friends take stuff off of you that this died before they met you. Something on you was decaying before you met them. Biblical friends help loose you. So here's the question that you need to ask yourself already in the introduction of tonight's message. Do I have friends who loose me or bind me? Somebody say discernment. I need discernment so that I can make sure I'm labeling people correctly. Can we talk, y'all? Can we talk? Because one of the ways we keep getting hurt is when we put the wrong labels on the wrong packages. People are packages, okay? How we get hurt is when we keep putting the wrong labels on the wrong packages. The reason this is so important, because when you put the wrong label... On the wrong package, it ends up in the wrong room in your heart. All right. I don't know if y'all can see this, but this is going to be symbolic of your heart. Okay? And when I don't have proper teaching, and when I am not taught about what biblical friendhood looks like, I risk putting people that I have labeled as a friend in the wrong room in my heart. All right? And you wonder why you're so hurt, and you wonder why you're crying so much. It's because due to a lack of discernment, I can't decipher labels. This is so good, y'all. This is so good. Are you ready? 
A heart, please hear me, a heart that has not been taught and a spirit that has not been trained. You don't just come into this world knowing how to have discernment. You don't just say God is great, God is good, and you have discernment. You don't just raise your hand and say, Jesus, save me, and you have discernment. A heart that has not been taught and a spirit that has not been trained will always put wrong labels on wrong packages. Okay? So, I know that you're labeling them. This is my friend. <laughs> this is a cute little box. So at the store, I said, box, you about to preach. <laughs> yeah, th- this... This is my friend, and I'm here to tell you tonight that this is not a friend. It's really a distraction, okay? But I, I put the wrong label on this. If I have discernment, then I can label it correctly. It's really not a friend. It's a distraction, okay? How do you know it's a distraction? Because ever since they or it arrived, your focus has departed. Distraction. Please hear me. A distraction does not mean you can't focus. It is a mismanagement of your focus. Distractions always come with the haze. So good, y'all. Distractions always come with the haze. And it's going to be hard for you to identify destiny lanes when you are getting directions from a distraction. Did y'all hear what I just said? It's going to be hard for you to discover because distractions come with the haze. They leave you in a fog. They promote mental clutter. Distractions, it's going to be hard for you to discover what is my destiny lane when you have a friend that is really a distraction giving you directions. Because a heart that has not been trained... A heart that has not been taught and a spirit that, not, that has not been trained will always put the wrong label on the wrong package. And when we put the wrong label on the wrong package, we'll put them in the wrong room in our heart. Y'all getting this? This, this I, I know y'all cool, but this, this really isn't a friend. You know what this is? This is just an assignment. I'm about to mess y'all up. I'm about to mess y'all up. This is not really a friend. This is an assignment. An assignment comes in your life just to help you complete a mission. That's it. An assignment, listen. Assignment is one that comes in your life to just help you complete something. You don't vent to an assignment. You don't confide in an assignment. Here we go, your edges. You don't get vulnerable with an assignment. You don't tell an assignment your troubles and your struggles and your childhood trauma. You don't share that with an assignment because an assignment is there, but that doesn't mean they care. Okay? And listen, that's not a bad thing. It's a discernment thing. They're an assignment. It hurts because I put the assignment in the friend compartment of my heart. That's just an assignment. You're not looking to build a bond. You're looking where to place bricks. We're just building something. Well, I thought they would be down for me. I thought that they were so loyal. Assignments aren't loyal to you. They're loyal to opportunities. (laughs) 
Assignments, they're not loyal to you. They're loyal to an opportunity. This is how we have people who are called opportunists. <laughs> Whenever there is another offer and something I could build that seems to benefit me better, I'm out. That's just an assignment. You, you don't date assignments. Uh, pastor, you don't sleep with assignments. That's how your assignment becomes your assassin. I told you, y'all ready? <laughs> you ready? You don't, you don't sleep with assignments. This is one that you just building something. It's a discernment issue. And so now you have what you call, like I stated already in this series, I got trust issues. No, boo-boo. No, it, it's, it's, a, it's a discernment issue. You caught feelings for an assignment. I don't share on my dirt with an assignment. Because when you mislabel an assignment, that mislabel friend with the ear in one season, oh, they become the enemy with the mouth in the next season. Am I talking to somebody? I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help your life. I'm trying to help your life. You got to understand it. This is one that we have crossed paths with. We might work together. Simons, we work together. We all working for this business, and we working for a paycheck. That's all we doing. We, we, we have the same career. We classmates. But just because we have the same teacher doesn't mean we have the same heart. Just because we have the same professor doesn't mean we have the same character. This is just an assignment, not an alignment. I'm trying to help somebody. Because when we have hearts that have not been taught, and when we have spirits that have not been trained, we risk putting the wrong packages in the wrong room. This one, y'all not going to like me on this one. That's not a friend. This not even your bae. <laughs> whatever you call it, your bae, your boo, your baby, big daddy, babe, whatever you want to call it. This is not your bae. Y'all want to know what this is? This is, this is bait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the enemy likes fishing. Remember, I told y'all in part two of this series, wheat and weeds, same season, same soil, same time. You labeling them bait, but really, they're bait. This is something the enemy has thrown in the field in your life, hoping that you label that bait a bay. I, I plant bait in the season of your life when your desire is high. But your discernment is low. Because, y'all notice how them claps getting softer? <laughs> I'm just trying to be obedient. L listen, this, this, this is how a lot of us keep missing what God is telling us. Keep missing what God is telling us. You know why? Because. My desire is so high. Remember, God sends wheat. What is wheat? That is the thing that he has summoned for your life and your destiny. The enemy sends weeds. That is a trap that hopefully you could think is God, but it's really your desire. And so now we'll say stuff like, you know, I was agreeing with him a little bit, but I just believe God gives me the desires of my heart. So... Since this is my desire, 
Uh, I, I'm just going to believe he's going to give me my desires. Is there anybody honest in the sanctuary besides myself that is like, you know, if God gave me all of my desires, that would be my demise. I desire some bad stuff. When people cut me off, I'm going to be transparent. Y'all can give me golf claps. When people cut me off on the freeway, sometimes I don't desire the best for them. I don't desire always holy things. I'm just being honest. Y'all can look good and holy. Y'all can do that. Jerry doesn't desire the best things. I don't desire all, the, all godly things all the time. I thank God he does not always give me the desires of my heart because my heart is deceitfully wicked. So when you understand it, is he causes your desires to become his desires. And so now I desire what God desires, and he gives you the desires of your heart because your desire is the desire of his heart. Can I get somebody to say we need to be taught? We need to be taught. And then I think a lot of us haven't recognized. Hell knows. Romance intoxicates discernment. I'm going to lose my whole amen corner. So y'all amen online, okay? Romance intoxicates discernment. Can I mess y'all up? It makes you miss a fundamental step that deepens love, that strengthens bonds, and provides a safe house for your emotions. Romance makes you miss this critical step, and that step is called friendship. <laughs> I'm telling you, I have counseled married couples, they could be in here tonight, or watching online, who are in covenant, miserable, can't sleep, one on the other side of the house, one on the couch, or the other side of the bed, as big as they bed, as small as they bed, as they're trying to create as much space as they can. You know why? Because they're not friends. Oh, but they were sex partners. They were sex partners. But, you know, sensuality, premature sensuality, sensuality blinds spirituality. So there's some flags you missed because we were so sexual. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I know this is real. You know how I know it's real? We have a whole generation that feels some type of way if you get friend-zoned. What's wrong with being friend-zoned? Friend-zoned will get your feelings hurt if somebody says, you know what, let's just be friends. Friends is better than romance. I'm trying to teach y'all. I'm trying to teach. Now, listen, please don't misconstrue what I'm saying because some people say, I just want to be friends, and you really don't like them. I'm going to go ahead and put my foot on the gas and call it out. You're just using them. You know you don't like this dude. You went out with him to Red Lobster because you like them garlic butter biscuits. <laughs> That's the only reason. When you're feeling lonely, when it starts to get a little cold outside or it's a thunderstorm, you have that contact you could text. Y'all not talking to me. You have that contact you could text. You know they have no chance, so you hit them with a, let's just be friends. It's not just girls. Dudes do it too. And brothers, we have to be careful. You married and a woman talking about let's just be friends. She don't want to just be your friend. That's a weed, bruh. Your wife is your friend. See, we got one clap right there. <laughs> your wife is your friend. Oh, we just want to be friends. You know, oh, I respect your covenant. I respect it all. Listen, she trifling, good for nothing. <laughs> Listen, they, they, they both do it. And so... 
I think as I was writing this down and I was studying, I said, man, the church has done a disservice to people. You know why? We're telling you about love languages and, and love tanks and love banks and how to have healthy relationships and how to have romance in your marriage and his needs and her needs because people like that stuff. But I'm like, we're not talking about what's more important, how to be friends. All of this content, well, this is how you do this, and in marriage you do Listen, bro, it don't matter how much content you give if they're not friends. Friendship is the foundation of a covenant. That's how you get it through. When stuff gets hard, I know we friends. Listen, your friends, you have seen them angry. Your friends, you've seen them upset. How is it he's your bae or your boo and you never seen them upset? You don't really know them then. I think this is going to be like a classic sermon. You, you really don't know them. Friends know the best about you. Friends know your favorite color. They probably know your family. Like, you know nothing about them. Oh, this is my friend. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's this culture we live in. It's this culture we live in that has removed the importance a friendship, and I'm trying to get us to understand. We lack discernment in this area, and we keep putting wrong labels on people. I'm gonna give y'all a Bible. Y'all ready for this? I'm gonna give you a Bible. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Is this good? First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. It says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Somebody say, Build. We're not building something, we're building each other, okay? Don't miss this. Build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Friends build each other. They do. Stuff in you starts to rise when you have a biblical friend. Your passion is being built up. Your hunger is being built up. Oh, I'm about to mess y'all up. Your wisdom is being built up. Now, watch this. If friends... Build. Based on the people you call your friends, how do you look? Like a skyscraper or a junkyard? Trying to help. They my friend. Do they build you? I feel it's getting quiet. I don't know how it is online. <laughs> but yet we have been labeling assignments friends. They don't build you. Not building something, but building up my faith. Building up my passion. Somebody say discernment. All right, now listen. A friend, when it's a divine friendship, a kingdom friendship, a heaven-endorsed friendship, ever since they arrive, constant stuff is going to be built. You can be like, you know what, I ain't even going to talk to them no more. And hey, listen, don't respond to them with this one letter in a text, K. Y'all need to have a full-out dialogue. Y'all need to have a conversation. Why are you responding to him with the whole novel? How about call each other? Y'all need to have a face-to-face -face conversation. I ain't trying to hear that. No, my job is to build you mature, build into you maturity. Build you. Okay, all right. All right. Now, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6, it says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Who's kissing on you? 
I'm always hot, but I'm more hot right now. Who's kissing on you? See, Judas teaches us that every kiss is not a sign of endearment. Some kisses are a sign of betrayal. Let's make it awkward. Can somebody say out loud, who kissing on you? <laughs> it teaches us that friends, true friends, will provide you with a wound, not because they're hurting you, but they're building you. All right? Y'all wanted this. I'm trying to give it to you. When you work out and you end up getting sore, it is because you are building stronger muscles. And watch this. The soreness can be trusted. The soreness in your glutes can be trusted. The soreness in your abs can be trusted because it is helping you become stronger. Do you trust the soreness of your friend? See, this is dangerous because if you're a neck popper and easily offended and you ain't going to talk to me like that and you easily, like, everything gets on your nerves, like, you walk around with a state of offense. Y'all ever met people like that? Like, they just walk around offended. You can say, you have a nice dress. Why didn't you compliment me last week? <laughs> See, that's why I don't do people. I don't do people. <laughs> Look, when you walk around offended, you're not mature enough to have a biblical friend. I'd rather friends that will lie to me. Or let me use biblical um, definition. I'd rather friends that keep kissing on me. Because an enemy multiplies kisses. I can't speak for anybody else, y'all. But I've arrived to this place in my life personally where I'd rather be slapped with the truth than kissed with the lie. Don't amen too hard. <laughs> Somebody like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, listen, if I'm rude, tell me. If I did something suspect, tell me. If I didn't say something to my wife right, tell me. If my breath stinks, tell me. If I have a booger in my nose, tell me. Don't just talk, to, talk about me and post it online and say, girl, you smell this breath. Did you? Don't just talk about me. Tell me. And if you're going to clap and say I want that, you have to be able to receive when a friend tells you the truth. I'm trying to help somebody on the night. See, the, the, the lack of this wisdom has caused a whole generation to label biblical friends haters and label weeds supporters. Man, they always got something negative to say. No, they, they, they just love you enough to tell you a truth that others won't. Like, I don't mind if you blow up. I just won't let your head blow up too. Somebody say discernment. I'm going to give you more Bible. Ephesians chapter 4. Y'all know this is how I do. Ephesians chapter 4. We don't preach opinions. We preach doctrine. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15. It says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. So watch it. Real Kingdom friends generate maturity. You call them talking about somebody, they'll cut you off. <laughs> you say, girl, I heard, hold on, we're going to call on three-way. We all going to get on the phone, okay? You're not coming to me talking about she said, we all on three-way. Hold on. Hello, Siri, I need you to call such and such. Yeah, girl, we all here. You said this about this. We all here. Go ahead, repeat it. <laughs> I bet you they won't bring you gossip next time. 
<laughs> they, they, they generate maturity. We speak the truth in love to help you mature. Biblical friends help you mature. It is not the height of a tree's branches that keeps it in a storm. It is the depths of that tree's roots. And I'm a brother, I'm a friend, and I'm a pastor that wants you to be mature. So when the winds of adversity blow, and they will, when the winds of a pandemic blow, and they will, when the winds of a loss blow, and they will, when the winds of hardship blow, and they will, you won't blow over because you had somebody who helped you mature and give you some roots. Enough with sugar-coated preaching. Some of us have consumed so many sugar-coated sermons, you should have cavities. I need words, and I need something that will help me grow. I don't want to just stay on milk all the time. I want to develop. I want to be able to have a kingdom response. I want to have so much self-control where it don't matter how you act. I'm always going to remain in character. I need maturity. Somebody say maturity. You're most dangerous when you mature. You're a threat when you mature. You become a problem when you mature. Hell gets nervous when you mature. Matter of fact, I'm going to put y'all on game. This is how you could always identify a counterfeit or a weed. It's one that comes in your life that tries to enhance your immaturity or tries to disrupt your maturity. This is so good. Whoever comes into your life that makes it a permission slip, and it's okay for you to be immature. This is not a friend. This may not even be an assignment. It's a weed. Y'all ready? More Bible. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17. It says, a friend. Can I get somebody to say a friend? friend. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. Friends love. So friends are patient. Friends are kind. Friends are long-suffering. Friends don't keep it a record of wrong. Y'all not talking to me. Friends, love. And so as I'm looking at this, I said, man, you know what? Maybe we didn't lose friends. Maybe two things happened. Maybe a season changed or a category was exposed. <laughs> it's so good, y'all. I'm going to go back and watch the own replay. And maybe I lost my friend. No, maybe a season changed. And you recognize who you are in Christ. And now you got discernment. And, and it's not that you lost friends. Just a category was exposed. Oh, this is a friend column. This, this is an assignment. No, you, you go down here because you can't have access to all that. Oh, oh, you know what? This, oh, this is somebody I need to pray for. You go way down here. You, you, I'm praying for you. You don't get this access to my heart. I'm still going to love you because the DNA of Christianity is love, but I understand, I put you in the wrong part of my heart. Some of us are wrong, listen, some of us are mad at the wrong people. It wasn't them, it's I need discernment. When I understand that that was an assignment, I'm more gracious. You can forgive a lot faster when you understand I put the wrong label. It's not always what they did. I put the wrong label. And I'm not going to beat myself up. I didn't know this biblical education. Some of us need to forgive ourselves right now for all the times we made choices in ignorance. You didn't know. You didn't know. So when Jesus says, take the grave clothes off of him, take that penny off of them, 
help take that insecurity off of them. I now get it. When the king sends a relationship, when the king sends a pastor, when the king sends a brother, oh, when the king sends a sister, when the king sends a spouse, when the king sends a friend, it's always revealed by them taking stuff off me. So God, would you help us? Would you help us? So many of us are dealing with hurts and pain and even bitterness because we're blaming people, but we have already learned there's no healing in blaming. There's no healing in blaming. Blaming is not the fertilizer for our healing, but it is, it is the umbilical cord for our bitterness. So God, would you help us to be able to discern and have wisdom so in this area of friendship, we could make choices that glorify you and that are wise for our destiny. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you shout in the room, amen. amen. One more time, amen. amen. For part five of this discernment series, I want to speak around this thought from this subject. That's not what friends do. That's not what friends do. Confession time, are y'all ready? Y'all still love me? I came up here dry and shining and smiling and talking about how much I love y'all. Now it's getting real. Y'all still love me? Some of y'all lying. <laughs> can I get everybody to say this as loud as you can? Everybody online in all caps, can I get everybody to say, God, give me discernment to stop picking weeds and then label it wheat. Open the eyes of my heart. I need to say that one more time. God, give me discernment to stop picking weeds and then label it wheat. Open the eyes of my heart. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, and everybody under the sound of my voice in the sacred sanctuary and everybody watching online, there is a dangerous, problematic, deleterious issue that is causing for us to experience stress, heartache, headache, insomnia, and even prolonged seasons. And that is the lack of biblical education when it comes to what is friendship. We've heard sugar-coated sermons. We, we, we've heard sermons that preach to you that make you feel so bad like you'll never be clean enough and you'll, you'll never be whole enough and hellfire and brimstone. Those type of sermons are when we try to demonize people for coming out of Egypt and still smelling like it. Coming out of Egypt and then sometimes still desiring Egypt. Sometimes I still want to go to the club. Sometimes I still want to turn up one time for the one time. Sometimes I still want to sip on a little gin and juice. Y'all not talking to me. Sometimes I still want to go back to those things. And I wish I had teaching that would inform me that does not mean you're not saved. That means you're having withdrawals. This is what it feels like when toxicity is leaving the body. That's what it feels like. That does not mean you're not saved. It means I have to detox. So don't demonize me. Disciple me. And I need, listen, I need discipleship in the area of friendship. I need discipleship in this area. Because anytime I cannot be honest about where I struggle, I always end up hiding it. And anytime you hide struggles, it becomes a secret warfare. It becomes a secret warfare. And deliverance is limited when transparency is a rarity. 
Deliverance, being free from something, not just saying I'm over it, but like you're really over it. Deliverance is limited. Please hear me. When, when you're delivered from something, you're not trying to resist it. It's I don't even desire it. Like, like there's a difference in a slave that has escaped and a slave that is free. Okay? So the, the need for deliverance comes with transparency. Nudity is needed if you want true liberation. As long as we try to hide it, we'll always engage in secret warfares. So I need discipleship to teach me how I could discern. This is not something or someone that is healthy for my destiny. Because I have an enemy that is constantly planting weeds in my life. Is there anybody honest enough to say that the enemy is just playing distraction after distraction? And it always comes as soon as you got your mind right. Y'all love enough? As soon as you're like, you know, I'm for real this time. I'm for real. You know how I do it. I've been for fake for fake. Like you like for fake for fake. We say I'm going to be pure, but you still own condoms. That's like for fake for fake. <laughs> but when you like for real for real, you don't need me to tell you to turn to John chapter 11. You did it this morning on your own. Like, for real, for real. I'm binging my own Bible reading plan, and I'm not even posting it because I'm trying to grow for real, for real. Can y'all just say, for real, for real? And there's another part of this that's going to get ugly. There's another part of this that is not talked about enough. <sighs> A lot of times, we think just because they're family, they're friends. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lordy, now. Listen. Some of the most unhealthiest people. I'm trying, girl. Some of the most unhealthiest people, you both share the same blood. Now, now look, look. This, and I talked about this before in heart rehab, but I want to revisit something and break it down. This is how a generation has learned what I like to call lethal loyalty. Okay? We have learned how to be loyal to lethal things in the name of that's your family. Okay? So mama's like, give your uncle $50. Why are you acting like that? Just give him $50. We family. You know, blood sticks together. Don't do, don't do him like that. I raised you better than that. Come on, bro. Give your uncle $50. And you want to be like, I don't have a problem with giving my uncle $50. Just number one, I know I ain't never going to get it back. <laughs> Don't amen too hard. It's like, I know I ain't never going to get it back. They said they were going to pay me back the last. Like, how are you smiling when you're asking, but then you're frowning when I'm asking? I know I ain't never going to get it back. And, and mama, it's not about the money. It's I know that I'm going to assist a substance abuse issue. Mom, it, it's... It's I know I'm going to assist a problem. They have the money. They're just not wise stewards over what they have. And they're just going to use that money to go get some weed, to go to the club. They just got a new car, new shoes. They have the money, mama. But because I'm a slave to mama, because I'm a slave to grandma, because I'm a slave to big mama, because I love Uncle Ray Ray, I give $50. And so what I end up doing is learning as a child how to be lethal to something that's, how to be loyal to something that's lethal. Now bleeds over into my adulthood. And so you know it. You've got so many red flags. I'm like, you just standing around. How red is the flag going to get, Lord? How red? 
you got so many red flags, but you're keeping them in a compartment in your heart because you have learned how to be loyal to something lethal. I learned it when I was six and mama told me to go get her beer from the refrigerator. And when I told her she shouldn't do it, she slapped me. I learned it as a child. I don't ask questions. I have been discipled how to be loyal to something lethal. Now listen, all I'm attempting to articulate to you on tonight is just because we share the same blood, just because we were raised in the same house, and just because we came out of the same womb, that does not mean we have to share the same storm. I understand we family, but you know what? This is toxic, and this is not how friends treat people. Just because we're blood doesn't mean I have to get wet from the same storm. I got my own storms I'm going through. I don't have to get wet from your storm in the name of loyalty. That's not, that's not what friends do. And Jesus shows us this, this, this powerful paradigm in Scripture. Um, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 46, it says, While Jesus was talking to the crowd, his mother and brother, somebody say family. Let's modernize. Somebody say kinfolk. His mother and his brother stood outside waiting to speak to him. Someone told him, hey, man, your mother and your brother are outside wanting to speak to you. And he replied, who is my mother? I bet Jesus had some of swag. I just mad. He's sitting at the table eating his unleavened bread, dipping in his olive oil, talking to everybody else. They're making the, the broiled lamb in the back. Like, yo, man, your mama hollering at you. Who's my mama? <laughs> like, Come on, Jesus. Rabbi, come on now, you know your brother's outside. You know, it's, it's like, uh, who, who is that? The one that birthed you, Jesus? Come on, man, why you, why you embarrass me? Listen, these are my mother, and these are my brothers. Those that do the will of my father, these are my mothers, and these are my brothers. And Jesus shows us this powerful truth. Sometimes your brothers in Christ will be more family than your actual blood. I'm trying to teach, y'all. I'm trying to teach. And you're loyal to something that is lethal. And Jesus is redefining what true family is. Your friend is the one that does the will of the Father. That's my brother. That's my sister. Whoever God sends in your life is all about keeping a tempo. Tanisha, I need you to help me. Hey, Torrance, in my bag in the back, there's some headphones. And uh, Amber, bring my phone real quick. Tanisha, come here real quick. I need y'all to turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Can I get everybody to say one place? They were all together, one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Thank you. As, as a sound of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. I want you to notice in verse 1, it says they were all together in one accord. Can I get everybody to say one accord? The Hebrew translation for this is they were all together on the same tempo. This is so good, man. Do you have friends 
where we all on the same tempo. They were all together. Look, because the power of the Holy Spirit came when they had a community of people who were on the same tempo. Now, I want you all to see something really quick. Doesn't she look gorgeous? I want you all to see something real quick. We already talked about this, so what she's going to do is she's going to put these headphones on. And I'm really going to be talking to her, right? And so you hear me still, right? So whenever they clap, I want you to try to match that tempo. But first, I'm going to play some music, okay? Y'all ready for this? This, this is why there's only one person ready. Y'all ready for this? this? This is how we get to a place in our life to where God is speaking, but you don't hear him. So she's listening right now. It's kind of loud. She's listening right now to another tempo. So she can't hear the tempo I'm telling her to be at. So if I tell her, Tanisha, take a step over to the right. I'm your husband. Take a step over to the left. Okay, you can stop jamming out. You can stop listening to the music. I'm, I'm preaching. I'm trying to do illustration. You can stop. She can't hear me because she's on her own tempo. And this is how a lot of us look in the spirit. God's talking to you all day. He's talking to you all day long. And you know how you are? This is how you are. God's talking all day long. I need you to get up and pray. Okay, no more Netflix. You haven't talked to me all year. <laughs> but you're going to want me to do something in your life. While you keep talking to your wife like that, then post on the ground how much you love her. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking. You praying and thanking me for a raise, but I need you to raise your prayer life. You talking. Yeah. God is talking. Now look, watch this. What did I just say? She said she has no idea. And a lot of us have no idea what God is telling you. And it's not because he's not speaking. It's because we're on our own tempo. Now, now I want to show you the power of kingdom friends. You don't even have to be there yet. You don't even have to really know God's voice yet. But if you're surrounded by some kingdom friends on a tempo, y'all all get this beat. She's getting on beat. She don't even know God's voice yet. She's just surrounded by friends who are on a certain tempo. She don't know what holiness is yet. She just got people in her life where she can see that they're on a certain tempo. And y'all stop. Now, even when it's a pandemic and God's like, we need to speed the tempo up. Let's speed it up. Stop. And you telling me you don't need kingdom friends? Listen, you don't even know what we talked about, do you? All right, you go ahead. You'll see it on YouTube when we're done. Okay, come on back there. Clap it up for my bride, y'all. Look, some of us, listen, you don't know how to discern God's voice yet. You don't really even understand biblical wisdom yet. And I'm trying to show you from this verse, if you're surrounded by people who are one accord with the Spirit... I may not even be able to know much, and I'm still distracted by other stuff. But if I hang around you, I start getting on a tempo too. If I start coming on Thursday nights, I start getting a tempo too. If I start binging the series, I start getting a tempo too. Maybe, maybe the problem is we have people all around us. Everybody start clapping. This is how your circle sound. 
Am I matching you? My... Oh, she faster. Oh, he cute. Oh, I like this. This is a public church. And you just try to match every other beat around you instead of the tempo God is trying to tell you. This is so good, y'all. Give you points and I'm done. Point number one, biblical friends loose. Can I get everybody to say loose? Biblical friends loose. So I could identify a wheat from weeds whenever I'm surrounded by people who keep on bringing out of the grave what I'm trying to kill. Biblical friends don't resurrect. Biblical friends don't resurrect what God needs in the grave. Somebody say loose. Number two, biblical friends love. Can I get somebody to say love? Love is patient. And in John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus says it this way. Greater love has no one than this, than he who lays down his life for who? For who? Y'all talk to me. For who? I'm trying to tell you that friendship is better than romance. Because some people that you have romantic feelings for won't even lay their life down. Pride, ego, selfishness. Biblical friends love. Number three, biblical friends sharpen. Can I get somebody to say sharpen? Ever since I'm around you, things in my life start to get sharper. This is a sign of a biblical friend. Number four, biblical friends, uh uh-oh, sacrifice. Can I get somebody to say sacrifice? In fact, you could tell who is your real friend by who is, how willing they are to be inconvenienced for your benefit. Before you call them a friend, are they willing to sacrifice on your behalf? Number five, I feel this is so heavy, but it's so needed. Number five, Biblical friends confront. They confront you. They don't post about you. You know what I've learned? Any person that has access to you but has a problem to you, problem with you, and they're not talking to you, they really don't have a problem with you. Did y'all hear what I just said? Any person that claims they have a problem with you and they have access to you, but they're not talking to you, but they're talking about you, they're using you for attention. When I say access, meaning you got my number, bro. Other people, I really don't like you. You got my number? No, you really don't know me then. But I'm talking about somebody who has access to you. Real friends will confront. And get this. You have a friend and y'all got into it and y'all got over it. That ever happened to y'all? Like you forgive each other? It seems you forgive faster when you're friends. Biblical friends confront. This does not mean that everything will be peaches and cream. But it does mean I love you enough to go to your face, not behind your back. Number six, I'm going to have to explain this. Biblical friends carry. Carry. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. It says, carry each other's burdens. 
And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Now, for the sake of understanding, the text right here says carry each other's burdens. But then it says each person should carry their own load. Okay, so we have burdens and we have loads, all right? Biblical friends help carry burdens. What is a burden? Your house catches on fire tonight. Can I come stay with you? Yes. This is something that I couldn't predict. It's nothing I, I can control. That's something that is a burden. A loved one passed away, and I don't really know how I'm going to do this with the children. Hey, I'll come help you four times out of the week. That is carrying a burden. That is a biblical friend. A load is when that's your responsibility. Okay? I'm running a little short on money. You got a job and you got some new J's on, I'm not giving you no money. Ooh, it's getting quiet. See, because people, that's not my friend. No, you carry your own load. But if something happens, a wrecking ball hits your life unpredictable. Something you can't control, I carry that. But if you're just irresponsible with your funds... That's your load. It's like we're going hiking. I have my own backpack. Carry yours. Well, this is heavy. Unpack then. I'm trying to help, man. Last point, biblical friends cover. Cover. They will never use your issue or your flaw as ammunition. You got a real strong amen right there, right? Biblical friends cover. It's not just covering your sin, covering your shame. When you're in military and warfare, when they say cover me, it means I'm vulnerable to the enemy's attack right now. I need you to provide enough enemy fire on the enemy's camp where he can't see me. I need friends. Listen, I need friends where I could be vulnerable right now. Something happened. I'm human. I'm vulnerable right now, but I'm going to help you fight. I'm going to make sure that your weakness and your struggle won't provide a bullseye for the enemy. I got you covered. And I felt the need for part five of this discernment series. We need to talk about biblical friendship. I haven't heard one. I heard somebody mention it before. But, but we need to do an exegesis on what does the Bible say a real friend is. Because a lot of us, we're dealing with wounds and scars because of people we have mislabeled as friends. And a lot of the healing that will happen in your life is when you begin to forgive yourself, not looking for closure from the offender. Some of us are stuck right now because you're looking for somebody to apologize. You ain't never gonna get it. They don't think they were wrong. They don't. So what do I do when something has me stuck? What would Jesus do? Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. You have an education. Biblical discipleship of what a biblical friend is, is not just your ability to learn how to identify a friend, but to become that friend that you could be for somebody else. So God, on tonight, we love you and we honor you. We pray, God, that you, that you give us the strength 
to not let this be an evaporation type word, just a message we hear and we leave outside the door and it evaporates. But God, help us apply this to our lives because I want to have discernment. I don't want to experience pain that I don't have to feel if I had wisdom. Help us apply the wisdom so that not only we could identify biblical friends, but that we could be a biblical friend because you are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.